Welcome to the Truth Wars podcast with Dr. Olin Stubbs. If this podcast has encouraged you in any way, we'd like to ask you to leave a review for Truth Wars on whichever platform you listen on. Now, here's Olin. Excited to be with you men. Thanks for this opportunity. If you've got a Bible, let's open up to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And while you're turning there, I'll pray for us. Lord, we love you. Uh, we're thankful, most of all, for the Lord Jesus Christ and our salvation. Uh, but we thank you also, Father, that you have not left us alone on earth, uh, but that you give us your spirit uh, to live inside of us. Lord, you give us your word as a compass to guide and encourage and motivate us and give us hope and direction and wisdom and all that we need for life and godliness. So I pray for these next few minutes together. Would you help us to be all here? Would you help us to be uh, soft-hearted, really, to you, to hear whatever you might want to say to us? Uh, And would you lift our spirits? Would you encourage us? Would you motivate us? Would you make us into the men, uh, the husbands, the daddies that you want us to be? Uh, We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. All right, what we're going to talk about tonight is the idea of suffering, hardship, as a soldier uh, for Christ, and really specifically in the context of um, suffering as a father and and the suffering that that brings sometimes, especially uh, when our children are hard or maybe they're going through a hard season. Okay, so 2 Timothy chapter, uh, let's actually start in verse 1, I mean chapter 1, and look at just verse 15. Okay, this is uh, Paul writing this to Timothy. And he says, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me. So just a little very brief bit of context here. This is the last letter that we have that Paul wrote. Um, He's likely, uh, he's cold, he's alone in some dungeon. He knows that death is imminent. It may literally have been days, weeks, months at the most after this that he's going to die. And a lot of his faithful Christian friends and supporters had abandoned him, probably out of fear of persecution. And he's writing this letter to Timothy, his kind of A number one disciple. Uh, and so the passage, we're only going to look at two or three verses tonight. Okay, so it's going to be short. Hopefully it's short and sweet. I can't promise that. I can promise it will be short. All right. Um, is really, if you want to get real specific, it's about suffering persecution and hardship as a Christian minister. But the principles apply more broadly than that, and they certainly apply to us. And let me just give a couple of thoughts on perspective why they do. The first is this. All Christians are called to minister, right? If you're a Christian, even if you're a baby Christian, you're still called to minister to others as you have the opportunity. Okay? The second thing is all parents for sure are called to minister to their children, to whatever their capacity is. You may say, well, my child's an infant. Okay, or my child has the mind of an infant. But whatever you can, you're trying to pass on as much truth to them as you can. Right? Ephesians 6, 4, uh, fathers specifically are exhorted to raise your children and the nurture and the admission of the Lord as best you can. And the third thing is all Christians will suffer some form of hardship in this life. Now, in one sense, we don't have to read the Bible, right? We just know this. But the Bible does say it. Look over in 2 Timothy chapter 3, skip down to verse 12, fairly famous verse. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Let me just say a quick, quick word about that. Because sometimes we read that verse and we think that means that I've got to like, specifically be persecuted. Like somebody throw a rock at me because I claim the name of Jesus or the secret police put me in prison. Again, and that may have been what was at the forefront of Paul's mind. But there's a very real sense in which anytime you suffer any hardship when you're trying to just be a faithful Christian, 
a faithful husband, a faithful daddy, a faithful elder in the church, whatever it may be. That is a form of persecution. Let me try to just briefly prove this to you biblically. Uh, think about the, the book in the Bible that's the most about suffering, the book of Job, right? And the first two chapters, the way the whole book gets set up is this dialogue in heaven between Satan and God. And Satan is basically saying, I want to persecute Job. I want to go after him. I want to make him curse you. I want to torture him until he curses you. And God lets him. And how does Satan do it? He kills his kids. He ruins his business. And most of it was through natural events. Then he gets terribly sick. Then his wife turns on him. It was just normal life. It wasn't like there was some Muslim terrorist that came to Job's village and started persecuting him for being a follower of Yahweh. But just the normal hardship in some sense of trying to just be a faithful Christian can be qualified as suffering for Christ. Does that make sense? So I'm going to kind of mainly speak to the idea of being a good, godly dad when it's hard tonight. But you may say, that's not the season I'm in. That's not the main thing I'm struggling with. I just encourage you, wherever you feel like you're suffering the most to be faithful to Christ, think about these principles in light of this. Okay, Tim Keller, famous pastor in Manhattan, probably a lot of you are familiar with him. He wrote a great book on suffering. And he has a quote in there where he said, listen, it's not an exaggeration to say if the Bible's about anything, it's about suffering. It's one of the major themes of the whole Bible. Nothing is more important than to learn how to maintain a life of purpose in the midst of painful adversity. And certainly if you've been a parent very long, I, mean, I was just talking to Michael, 15 days in, the newest parent in here. Anybody beat 15 days or less? I don't think so. Parenting is a call to suffer, right? The sleeplessness, the selflessness, the way your selfishness gets trampled on. So, what does it mean to serve Christ well as a good soldier? Just three quick points. To suffer, to serve, and to please. Okay, so 2 Timothy chapter 2, and here's the very few verses we're going to focus on. You then, my child. So it's kind of like saying, hey, I'm over here suffering, Timothy. I've been abandoned by everybody. And he's basically kind of saying, hey, Timothy, you don't abandon me. Don't abandon Christ. Don't abandon the faith. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust a faithful men who will be able to teach others also, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So, first point, just suffer. Okay? Now listen, again, this is to ministers. He's saying pass down the faith, but we're talking about dads tonight. So you could say as best as you can, pass down your faith to your kids. And when it's hard, find strength in the grace of Christ, all that he's done for you. But I want us to really look in verse 3. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Listen, there are some things in the Bible that are, it's a metaphor, right? Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. He doesn't literally mean if you want to be a Christian in 21st century America, you have to build a wooden cross and fly over to Israel and walk the same road that he walked to Calvary. It's a metaphor, a very powerful metaphor. But when Paul says, suffer like a good soldier, it's not a metaphor, there is a real spiritual battle. If you're a follower of Christ, you're a soldier, and there will be real suffering, right? I don't know about you, but I could tell you about some of the suffering in my life. And it's not metaphorical. It's like, no, no, no. It's real pain. It's real hardship. It's real tears. It's real sleepless nights. And Paul just says, don't be surprised. Now, the message translation, which I wouldn't encourage you to always use okay, when you're studying the Bible, is like your main text but it can be a good supplemental one sometimes. And he says this, when the going gets rough, 
take it on the chin with the rest of us the way that Jesus did. Jesus suffered. Paul suffered. Are you and I any better? If that's what they got, we shouldn't be surprised. Paul David Tripp, counselor and author, he wrote a book. It was actually about marriage, okay? And the title of it is, What Did You Expect? Now, I've never even read the book, so it may be a terrible book. It's probably not. It's probably a great book. I've never read the book. I just like the title, right? What'd you expect? He's saying, what'd you expect? Marriage to be easy? And that works for parenting, too. What'd you expect? You just brought an immature sinner into the world, and immature, I mean, I, there's a quote, I think, from Augustine. I've never been able to find exactly where it's from, where he said, if the infant had enough strength, it would reach up and strangle its mother and demand to be fed because it's selfish, right? I think maybe it was Jonathan Edwards or R.C. Sproul that coined the term diapers and vipers. What did we expect? It's going to be hard. We shouldn't be shocked. Now, soldiering. Okay, um, I've got some friends that are in the military, and there's a phrase that I've heard them use. It's maybe a little too colorful to share at church tonight. Okay, but you, you know the, the layman's version is just embrace the hardship. Don't be surprised. Embrace the hardship. Suffer well. Imagine if you had somebody going, you know, into the army. I want to sign up to be in the army. I just don't want to get shot at, and I don't do anything hard. It's like, well, you can't be in the army then. At some level, that's the, kind of the point of being in the army. Because you're willing to be shot at. You're willing to do hard things in service of a greater purpose. I have a mentor, and he says to me, embrace the sorrow. Like Life on planet Earth is going to be hard. Don't be shocked when it happens. No, little side note. If there's a legitimate way that you can ever get out of hardship, obviously get out of it, right? The point of this little talk tonight is not just, well, any hardship that comes my way, I just have to lay there and take one for the team. Right? If you wake up in the middle of the night tonight and there's a fire in your house, don't say, well, that guy said embrace the sorrow, so I'll just sit here and suffer. No, get up and get out of the house and get your family out too. But the point is there are going to be some situations where the only way to avoid the pain or the suffering is to sin. And that's when you have to say, I won't do it. If the option is to sin or to suffer, I'll choose suffering every time. I'll lay my selfishness on the altar, and I'm willing to suffer. Okay? The problem is we don't want to get so attached and almost addicted to God's goodness and blessing in our life. And we have a ton of it in America that when he does cause us to suffer and call us to suffer, that we shrink back. How many of you remember the movie Platoon, 1986, Oliver Stone, Charlie Sheen's a good, I, I thought it was a good war movie. Uh, there's a, there's, a, there's a scene at the very last battle where kind of the Americans are being pushed back and a lot of them are just fleeing and they're running. And there's a two guys that just kind of say, we're going to stay in our foxhole. We don't care. We're going to stay. We're going to stick. We may not win the whole battle, but we're not going to run away. We're going to stay. We're going to stick. We're going to be faithful. And in a sense, that's what Paul is calling us to. Even when it's hard, you stay and you stick. Another Keller quote that I thought was super insightful. Think about this with me, guys. See if it doesn't ring true. Americans pursue pleasure and freedom above all else in general. I mean, don't we? I mean, we we just have so much money, so much freedom, so much capacity, so much time that we can give ourselves to pursuing pleasure. And listen, I'm not talking about sinful pleasure. I'm just talking about normal pleasure. That when the suffering comes, it makes it extra traumatic for us because we're not used to it. Okay? We do anything we can, we're tempted to, to avoid it. To minimize it. 
even if it gets us into sin. And what Paul's saying to all of us is don't do it, right? We're not supposed to be Stoics. We're not supposed to be masochists that like suffering. There's a right way to grieve. There's a right way to pray like crazy. God, get me out of this. But if I've got to stay for a while, give me the grace to endure it. Okay, so suffer well. The third one is this. I mean, excuse me, second point, serve. Look at verse 4, the very beginning. No soldier uh, gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Okay, serve, be focused. Listen, this is not saying that faithful ministers, this is not saying that faithful Christians are not allowed to do normal life. It's been misinterpreted that way before. Even think about the Apostle Paul. If you remember some of your history from the book of Acts and some things, sometimes he spent some of his time making tents. I mean, that's a pretty normal life. There's nothing wrong with normal life. It only becomes wrong when it entangles you and distracts you from something else that God is calling you to. Does that make sense? I mean, think about I mean, I bet we all have at least one friend in the military, right? They have normal lives. They get married. They have kids. They like to eat barbecue. They like to go out and watch the football game. They have hobbies, but the thing is this, they're always on call. They might at some point have to go on a nine-month deployment and say no to normal life and put it on hold. That's part of their commitment, their willingness to serve. And guys, that's what we have to have as soldiers of Christ, and specifically as dads. Let me just try to make this real practical, I think, where it comes home for a lot of us. Okay? And this may not be the exact scenario for you, but I know I've had scenarios like this, and I bet you have too. You've had a long, hard day. You're out there working hard, making money, bringing home the bacon, and you're coming home, and you're excited about eating a good dinner, maybe watching the game on TV or the fight or whatever it is, or the news or Seinfeld or whatever it is you like to watch, right? And just some peace and quiet. And so you get home, and you get in your favorite chair, and maybe you have your favorite beverage and your favorite meal and your favorite remote and the TV's on and then the kids start screaming. And your wife says, you know, honey, I've been doing this all day. Could you come help? Now, y'all are probably more godly than I am, but I know the thought that used to go through my mind and I was actually stupid enough to say this a couple of times is, hey, what do you think I was doing at work all day? You didn't think I was doing stuff? You think I got a hammock at my office? i just been hanging out? But, you know, somebody gave me this illustration. I think it was an elder in this church years ago, and it helped me a lot. He said, listen, if you're a husband and a dad, you just have another job. Love your job, but just realize when you come home from work, it's like you take off your normal work hat, and you put on the father and daddy hat, and you go in to be willing to serve. Obviously, that doesn't mean there's never a time and a place for rest and relaxation, okay? Um, And listen, if you're having the worst day of your life, there might can be days where you come in and say, baby, I don't care if the kids are going crazy. i got to have an hour or something by myself or I'm going I'm to literally go crazy. And you might can get away with that about once every three months. Right? If you try to do that every other night, it's probably not going to end well, guys. And you're not serving. You're not suffering like a soldier. Okay? Um, listen to one commentator who said this. There's nothing intrinsically wrong, in other words, about civilian affairs until they entangle then they must be resolutely cast aside. This involves for the soldier a sinking of his own desires and a total effort to please his chief. It's just the mental image, right? Sitting there with my TV tray, and my wife calls, the kid starts crying. I mean, don't literally throw the food on the floor, right? But gently set it aside, 
and just get up. Go do your job. When you come back and the food's cold, you know, praise the Lord, we got TiVo now, right? Record the game. Turn your phone off so nobody will tell you what happened. Come back, microwave the food, eat it at 1030 and watch the game if you have to. But serve first, okay? The third point, and this quote kind of already gets us into this. Please, please, and what I mean is please Christ. Because, guys, my guess is if you're anything like me, some of you are probably thinking something like this. I am trying to serve my wife. I am trying to serve my kids. You know what? But, dadgummit, if we're just honest for a second, I feel like I'm doing a lot more serving than everybody else in my house put together. Right? You ever had these kind of thoughts? I mean, we talk about compromising and the meeting in the middle. I feel like I'm coming a lot closer to the middle than my wife is. I feel like if we want to do a scoreboard, and again, this, these are some things that early in my marriage I was not smart enough to keep myself actually said out loud. And I just tell you, these conversations never ended the way that I intended for them to end. You know, if we took a scoreboard, baby, and tried to say, who's been serving more around here, I think I would win. Not good. So here's the point, guys. If the primary motivational engine of your heart to serve others and suffer well is the attaboys you can get from other people, it'll never be enough. Your wife will never be thankful enough. Your kids will never express enough gratitude. Your friends and coworkers and other people at church, listen, is there a place for Christians to encourage one another? Yes. But what I'm saying is that's just kind of like the appetizer. And the real meal of satisfaction and joy can only come from the smile of Christ. Him looking at you and saying, well done, good and faithful soldier, servant, daddy. And when you get the smile of Christ kind of experientially, and that's the main motivator of your heart, that'll keep you going. That engine never runs dry. And then your wife says, thank you. And you can be like, thank you, babe. I appreciate you acknowledging what I did. Or if she doesn't say thank you, you cannot get bitter. Because like, you know what? I wasn't doing it for her anyway. I'm doing it for Jesus. It's life-changing, okay? The New English Bible says it this way. Be holy at his commanding officer's disposal. And guys, here's an important point that I think sometimes we forget. I know that I do. Christ is a gentle master. When we're one of his servants and followers, he's actually very easy to please, right? He's the one that says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Is there a yoke? Yes, there's a yoke in the Christian life. Is there a burden? Yes, but it's light compared to the burden of sin and selfishness. 1 John 5, 3, his commands are not burdensome. They're actually freeing and empowering and life-giving. Okay. Victor Frankl was a Jewish psychiatrist in the Jewish uh, death camps during World War II. And one thing that he said is the only people that actually made it were people that had a sense of meaning and purpose. And if you live your life with just kind of grinders, you know, blinders on your eyes and just I got to take one more step and life is hard and it never gets better and I feel stuck, but I'm just doing my duty. At some point, guys, that ain't going to work. And you're going to run to pornography or something else to give you a sense of high to keep going in life. You've got to have a greater yes, a greater purpose. Martin Luther, the only way to be calm and bear when God takes all our goods and even our life by tribulation, and sometimes that's what parenting feels like, right? I feel like everything good in my life is being taken away. I feel like I'm almost dying. It's so hard. What would Luther say? 
cling to better goods. You've got to have a greater yes. It's not enough just say, I'll deny myself. You've got to have a greater yes. Let me give kind of a weird example. We're talking about this illustration of soldiering, suffering. Nathan Hale, you all remember him from U.S. history? Okay, he was a continental spy during the Revolutionary War, and he got caught. And supposedly, as they were leading him off to be hung for fighting for his country, spying for his country, he said, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. He sounds happy, doesn't he? Now listen, I don't think he was like, getting my neck broke sounds awesome. I've always had a thing about nooses. Getting hung, that'll be cool. No, no, no. But the reason he was dying was bigger and it was better. He was in love with the idea of freedom and his country and democracy. He's like, I'll be willing to die for that. In my heart and in yours, guys, got to be, I'm so in love with Jesus. If he calls me to suffer, I'm happy to do it. A little bit of just really practical application for us. Because I'm probably nothing I said tonight thus far has been, it's like, oh, I never heard that before. I should take out a pen and write that down, right? Came to church and heard a talk on suffering for Jesus. You know, like, been there, done that. But why is it so hard for us to take these truths that we know and actually flesh them out day after day after day after day, night after night, week after week? Right? You understand what I'm saying? And here's what I think it is, at least for me sometimes. is the secret conversation that I have with myself sometimes in the back of my heart, rarely out loud, is I don't deserve this. And let's just be honest. All Christians suffer, but some Christians suffer more than others, don't they? It's not equal. It's not fair. Some Christians suffer more than others. And there are times where I feel like I'm getting a raw deal. I'm suffering more than the average guy. Or you know what? I've been working my tail off for Jesus, trying to be the best little Christian I can be, and I keep, this isn't right. And guys, suffering when it feels like undeserved suffering is a lot harder to bear, is it not? When you did something wrong, okay, we won't do a show of hands, but let's just say hypothetically that one of us in here once upon a time got a speeding ticket. And you just knew it. You were like going 30 miles over and the cop pulls you over and he's like, that's going to be $200. If you have a half of an objective bone in your body, you're like, I don't like paying this $200 fine, but I really can't argue, right? I did the deed. Now I've got to pay it. But when there's suffering in your life and it feels undeserved, that's when it really chaps us. Really hard to bear. Why God? Why me? Why not him? I feel like he's a bigger sinner than I am and his life looks easier. You got to flip the script. Right? If, if what the Bible teaches is true, and I certainly believe it is, and my life has certainly proved it, we are all so sinful, even the best one of us, that what we really deserve, if we want to start talking about deserve, is eternal wrath and hell from God forever. So anything that we're getting, this, this is going to be sobering, but it's actually, if you meditate on it enough, it becomes really encouraging. Any type of suffering we get in this life, short of literal hell, is a benefit. It's grace. It's goodness. It could be worse. And if we've truly trusted in Christ, we signed up to be in his army. There's going to be suffering, guaranteed, hardship. Parenting is a great example of it, but it's not near as bad as it could have been and it should have been and it would have been. Now, last thought in conclusion, okay? Talking about undeserved suffering, an undeserving sufferer. 
there's actually only ever been one, right? The Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless life. He was never selfish. He was never sinfully angry or sinfully impatient or lustful or any of those things that we do on almost a daily basis. <laughs> Tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. And he got to the end of his life and when he should have been crowned as king, as the commander-in-chief who had led victoriously, he was crucified and condemned, not for any sin of his own, but for my sin and for all the sins of everybody that's ever trusted in him. And guys, when we spend enough time thinking about the reality of Christ's undeserved suffering in my place, it ought to do something inside of us afresh. Even if you're like, I've been a Christian for 70 years, it still, it ought to make you a little bit soft, a little bit warm, a little bit happy. And when the suffering comes as a husband, as a wife, as an elder, as a deacon, as whatever the Lord's called you into, I'm not saying it's easy, but it ought to be a little bit easier when you realize he served me in such a gigantic way. There's real joy in being willing to serve him here. Last thought, okay? This is a quote by Martin Luther that I really love where he said, you know what? God doesn't need your good works. I mean, just think about that for a second. Jesus is sitting on a throne in heaven. He's got angels to serve him. He doesn't need us. But your neighbor needs your good works. Your wife needs your good works. Your kids need your good works. And so when you feel love and warmth and adoration towards Christ, and you're like, I want to do something to serve you, look around at your closest neighbors. And how can you bless them in the name of Christ? Lord Jesus, you are far too good and kind to us. I pray for myself. I pray for everybody hearing this, that there would be a fresh sense of your goodness, your wisdom, your kindness, and that you don't just tell us to go out there and suffer, but you suffered for us. You suffered in gigantic ways compared to what in comparison really is small suffering. Give us the hope. Give us the courage. Give us the strength in your grace to be the faithful husbands, daddies, men of God in this world, no matter how hard it is. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Truth Wars with Dr. Olin Stubbs. If you have any questions for Olin, please email him at olin.stubbs at campusoutreach.org. Thank you.